Good luck with the most beautiful game. Do us proud. Red alert. They're off and running again. So smooth. So sweet. Splendid. Succinct. Just glorious execution. Guys, all I'm looking for is 60% effort or 1,000% of the time. How sharp was that? Sharp of mind and body. And that's why you see those beautiful tears. Look at his movements. The most dangerous man on the planet. Nobody picks him up. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Wonder Gold, the soccer betting podcast from the Action Network. My name is Michael Leboff. Joining me, as always, are my co-hosts and colleagues, BJ Cunningham and Anthony DeBundo. But before I bring in those two fine gentlemen, a reminder that Wonder Gold is brought to you by Bet365, the world's favorite sportsbook brand. Sign up with promo code ACTION to get Bet365's exclusive sign-up offer in New Jersey and Colorado. Bet $1 on any game. Get 200 free. All right, BJ, Anthony, uh, this is a midweek Premier League, a little Syria as well, preview. We already talked uh, over the weekend on our Friday episode or Thursday episode about uh, Liverpool and Brentford on Monday. Here's the, the TLDR version. We all like Brentford to win that game on Monday or the a, a bet at least on them to, to win or cover. Play it as you may. Uh, for this episode, we'll be talking about the other nine games. They start on Tuesday. There's a few on Tuesday, a few on Wednesday, and one on Thursday, and that's the headliner. And it is where we will start. Stanford Bridge, Chelsea's four to one home underdogs against Man City, coming off a hard fought effort against the mighty, mighty toppies of Everton. Uh, City's minus 150. The draw is three to one. Chelsea's coming off a draw against Nottingham Forest. Maybe. Anthony jumped the gun when he said that Chelsea and, and the Potter revolution had started uh, when they, when they pasted Bournemouth, Anthony, we told you to calm down. It didn't, didn't start yet. Yeah. You were, you we were all about it. You were all about it. Let's start with you though, Anthony. Uh, and this looks a little, it looks tempting on Chelsea at home. Uh, I guess a city team that was good against Everton, but just once, once they scored, they just seemed to, kind of decide that that was going to be enough. Like they almost went into uh, arrogance mode uh, against Everton and, and they paid for it dearly. It's a must win game for city now as they all are pretty much. So uh, how are you playing this one? Yeah, I'm playing the under two and a half. Uh, it's another hold your nose, another under in this damn league where no game ever seems to go under. We did have a, a good amount in this uh, match week with some unders finally coming back and, I think you're going to see more of those as we get into January here. But from a stylistic point of view, I think the biggest thing in this matchup is that the Chelsea attack continues to be mediocre. And I think we BJ made the first point, like we can't overreact to a game against Bournemouth at home. And I, and I thought I agreed. Maybe I didn't I'll have to go back and think about it. But if you go to the Nottingham Forest match, I tweeted a screenshot about 20 minutes into the second half of today's game against Forest. And they had been getting, they were outshot eight to zero. In the first 20 minutes of the half, they finished the game with seven total shots against Nottingham Forest. The goal they scored uh, came off of a pretty fluky deflection off the crossbar down right to Raheem Sterling, which, you know, was very fortunate. Nothing Chelsea necessarily did, just a good bounce. And they still created less than one expected goal. 
Uh, and Forrest is a better team at home, but it's still one of the worst defenses in the Prem. Uh, and you expect Chelsea to have some type of response after that disappointing fixture, but this attack just isn't producing. I mean, they're eighth in passes in the penalty area, so it's not even like they're getting into the penalty area necessarily at an elite level, and then attacks are kind of breaking down because then you could point to this, you know, the lack of a true striker, uh, Sterling being in and out of form, some of the injuries they've dealt with, but they're 12th in, in XG per 90. I mean, they're just an average attack uh, and they're still a pretty good defense. Contrary to what uh, I, I am more concerned with Chelsea's attack than I am with their defense. When you look at their numbers underlying, because their underlying defensive numbers aren't that great either, but I'm more likely to buy into those because the, other numbers like passes into the penalty area allowed and touches in the box allowed are much lower. So I think Chelsea's defense will, will hold and make it a, a difficult challenge for City. Uh, they they match up decently well here to make this a you know a bit of a stalemate. But I really don't see Chelsea penetrating or, or getting good looks on this City defense, which yes conceded to Everton, but it was two shots less than uh, 0.15 expected goals when that goal went in. And the the difference with and without Reese James I think is pretty significant. I mean we saw. Chelsea played great with Reese James getting up and down the right wing as the main ball progression engine, uh, the extra man in the box, his creativity, his ability to even get shots helps this Chelsea attack. I don't love XG on off splits because I think they can be really noisy and, and it's hard to really measure like one player's impact. Uh, but did Chelsea have been two tenths of a goal, two and a half tenths of a goal better with Reese James on the pitch this season than they've been without him? I think it's pretty significant. Uh, and, and I think that's uh Definitely a concern for the Blues that, you know, one player is so irreplaceable to their team. So it's a hold your nose under two and a half at plus money. Uh, I like it. I think this is like a one nil, two nil type city win. I, I do think they'll win, but uh, I'm not laying the juice or the goal because I do think that the one, the city attack is overvalued. I mean, we, we talked about this last week, team total over two and a half against Everton, which I wanted to bet was like minus 160. So like the market has no, uh, is, is clearly in love with Erling Holland for good reason, but it's a little too much love. So I do think the total is a bit inflated. It does seem like a a weird spot too, for Chelsea. Um, They've just had so much turmoil over the past two seasons uh, now or two plus seasons. It's, you just don't know. Like I I have no idea how, where the, like the levels for this team are. Uh, So they're hard to get behind. It is a tempting number. Uh, You know, I, I often say a lot of times when, we're dealing with teams like like this that if you're getting a, a four plus four hundred on a team with this kind of talent at home, no matter who they're playing, it's it it's definitely at least worth a look. We'll see. Um right now it's it's a pass for me. BJ, uh, anything to add here? Thursday, three PM, Chelsea and City. Yeah, it's a pass for me. If I had to play anything, I might I might go for a city minus one and a half and take a good price on it because Again, like, you know, like I said, it it remains true what I've said on the last few podcasts is that Chelsea just, they just cannot create high quality chances in the final third. Now you saw a little bit against Nottingham Forest. They did take three shots from inside the six yard box. They'd before the matches against Bournemouth and Nottingham Forest, they had taken a total of five shots inside the six yard box. That was the lowest in the Premier League. So I think what you're seeing is what Potter did a lot at Brighton was they wanted to create the biggest chance possible, not just take the first shot available. So I think you're starting to see that a little bit more, but I mean, let's just be honest. Kai Havertz is not an out-and-out striker. So Chelsea doesn't really have that. The midfield of Jorginho and Kovacic just really is probably going to get run over here against City. And if you go back, I mean, they lost to City 2-0 in the EFL Cup. And then even the match before that, they were at home with Arsenal coming to town. 
and Arsenal just completely paced them. It was 2.1 to 0.3 unexpected goals. Chelsea took five shots. Like it was, if we have a repeat of that, then city is going to absolutely run them over. So if I had to play anything, I'd play city on an alt uh, line, probably minus one and a half at a decent plus number, but yeah. Uh, we are getting a little too steep here with city, you know, sitting around minus 160. So uh, it's a pass for me. Yeah. It feels like we're kind of at the, I mean, the market still has a lot of respect for this Chelsea team. So I don't want to say we're at the bottom of the market on Chelsea. Cause I really don't think that's the case. I mean, they took money against forest and closed the minus one favorite uh, on the road. And, and that's a lot of market respect and, and a sign that they still think they're a top five, six team. Uh, they haven't done anything to prove that. And does anybody want to guess who the leading shots per 90 player is for Chelsea this season? Small sample, but is it is uh is it Ziek? Rojak? Pulisic. 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 Well, Captain. 2.3 shots per 90. So Havertz is a little bit below that. But I mean, you just can't be a top five team, six, six team in this league if your main striker is getting less than two and a third shots per 90. It's just not a sustainable way. And you mentioned like the, the goals, the shots from inside the six. I mean, you have to again consider the opponent. How many looks are they getting against City from there? Unless right. there's like a fluke or a, or a, or a deflection. Uh, you could make the argument that Arsenal uh, minus 125 hosting Newcastle plus 333. The draw is plus 280 here. These odds obviously from bet 365 are sponsors uh, that this match is actually the headliner, but I agree. I, we'll stick with, we'll stick with Chelsea and city. Uh, you know, that's, that was what the, BJ put at the top of the rundown for some reason. So he thought it was the, the I didn't lineup. make the rundown. Okay. That's that <laughs> I was made the Anthony. rundown. Anthony made it. the rundown. Okay. I'm, I, I'm wiping my hands clean of that. Uh, and uh, all right. So let's talk about this one. We had to get warmed up. Yeah. Yes. We had to get warmed up. There will be some disagreement here actually. So BJ, I'll just shoot it right to you because I find it, you know, I thought for sure when I, when I first started to look at the lines pop up for this week, I think I'll BJ is, going to be running far away from arsenal at this price <laughs> no he can't wait oh my god can't i couldn't oh, believe I it can't wait. this is cheap like this is so cheap are you kidding me like only minus 125 arsenal is a perfect 7-0-0 at home plus 11.6 expected goal differential only conceded 5.9 expected goals in those seven matches Newcastle is a big time home road split team. They're pl- a little over plus 11 expected goal differential at home away from home. They're only about plus two. They've played three big six, big six teams away from home. Haven't won the expected goal differential in any of those matches. And the one thing that Arsenal did such a good job of against Brighton is they counterpressed them really, really well. They forced six high turnovers. The first goal came off of a high turnover. That is really the one weakness that you can point out with Newcastle right now. They're 12th in offensive pass per defensive action. So if Arsenal is able to counterpress the way they were able to press Brighton, who is a top six, seven team at playing through pressure and a team that loves to play through the middle of the pitch, something that Newcastle also likes to do, I think Arsenal can definitely, definitely get at Newcastle in transition here. And I've looked through all of the Arsenal metrics. I don't really see a major weakness with them defensively. Like you can't really get through at them in transition. They're number one in passes per progressive passes and dribbles allowed. Like they're a top five set piece team. They're top two at passes allowed in the penalty area, crosses allowed in the penalty area. Like it's very, very difficult to actually generate a high quality chance here against Arsenal. And you know what? Yeah, they have been overperforming offensively as of late. Like they've been running really hot. They've been scoring a ton of goals, but they've still created 11 and a half expected goals in their last five matches. And they just created five big scoring chances against the top seven defense at their own ground. So a, 
a price of minus 125 is far, far, far too cheap for Arsenal. And what they've done such a good job tactically, which I think they'll be able to really get at Newcastle, is they love to create these overloads at one side of the pitch because Shaka has been doing such a good job of getting forward because Thomas Party is such a good defensive midfielder and holding midfielder and defending in transition that Odegaard has been able to be a floating number 10 and create overloads. And we had the left with Martinelli or the right with Saka. And that's why you've seen them get so much space down the wings. If you look at Newcastle, Trippier is not that great of a defender on the right side. Matt Target is out for this match. So Arsenal should be able to create those overloads, should be able to create those chances down the flanks. And Newcastle is also still without uh, Ishak. So this is a great spot for Arsenal. Minus 125, too cheap, way too cheap. I have them projected minus 143. So give me my gunners, minus 125. Arsenal's really good. I think they everyone are. knows that. Newcastle's really good too. I think this number at Newcastle's fine you're getting better than plus 330 uh and a team that since october 1st like that these two teams have been fantastic i think if you look at their xg it's, it's nip and tuck like depending on what models you're looking at one might be slightly ahead of the other arsenal might be the best team in the league by xg uh differential and you look at a different model it's it's newcastle so I think that it's tight enough, and I think it's. I, I know that the the market is has caught up on Newcastle a long time ago, but it still feels a little bit like if you took the Newcastle statistical portfolio and you just slapped Chelsea on there, what would this number be? I don't think it would be this high. So I actually think Newcastle is is worth a bet here. Um, I think it's a little bit disrespectful for for what they've done and what they can do. Yes, Arsenal is really good, but oof, it's this is a, this is a steep price to me in my eyes, BJ. And I really was shocked. I thought you were going to be. Uh, oh come on! Doing one of your. Uh, I'm not betting against Arsenal, but I can't. I can't well, get they, to this number. It, the Arsenal. I, I believe Newcastle took money because Arsenal opened around you know minus one forty five or so, and now we're down to minus one twenty five. So, and Arsenal has no significant injuries, so I'm not really sure. Maybe people, I guess, are believing in Newcastle and saying that Arsenal has been running really hot, but they're still creating a ton of expected goals. So, no, I love I love the Gunners here. Too cheap, way too cheap. What about you, Anthony? Yeah, I'm I'm probably going to sit this one out. Uh, I think we're you know it's the two darlings, right? The two teams that have surpassed expectations by the most this season in the league, playing one another in a situation where the market has upgraded both of them a lot since the season began. Arsenal less so because the market was high on them coming in. But the market has upgraded both these teams a lot, and we're kind of at a point now where you can make the case that it's getting to or is near a good time to kind of sell both relative to the market number. Uh, I can poke more holes in the Newcastle team for sure. Uh, I think their defense away from home has not been nearly as stout. BJ mentioned that. Uh, They've run pretty well away from home like they've they've conceded a bunch of chances and gotten let off the hook for it uh, and their defense at home has been stellar but again like when they've played the bigger teams uh, they have you know when your team that wants to press like Newcastle and your players aren't quite as good the system is good but the players aren't quite as good the little things make a big difference and I think that's what's happened when they play the other big six teams yes they've had a go they've caused problems for all of the defenses which by the way I very much think Newcastle can cause problems for Arsenal's defense in those direct transition opportunity moments running at them. Um, you mentioned what's Arsenal's problem defensively, BJ. William Saliba seems to be having a howler per match these days. Uh, so that that's the uh, the hole. Uh, not necessarily the hole, but the, the transition, the transition defense. 
Yes. The transition defense has been the biggest area of improvement for Arsenal. And with that comes the skepticism that it could just regress and like they could just get worse again and not be quite as sustainably good in defensive transition, which is where I think Newcastle is at their best. Uh, So I can make a case for both sides. The number seems about right to me. I make Arsenal minus 130. So, you know, maybe a tiny bit, but not not something I'm running to the window to bet. Uh, Probably going to end up staying away here. I like a lot of unders on the board this weekend. This is not one of them because uh, I don't want to step in front of the Arsenal train anymore. I I tried betting uh, an under against West Ham and they burned me and then had Brighton. They burned me again. So there's time to fade this Arsenal team probably. And I thought Saturday was and it wasn't. Uh, but this is not the one for me. So I'll probably be sitting this one out. You can't sit this one out. The other headliner, the real headliner here, uh, Everton on a one match on beaten streak. They're plus 250 hosting Brighton, uh, plus 110. The draw here is plus 250. I think what we saw at Everton uh, was important because of the formation, right? They went five at the back against City on the road. Obviously, it's City, so it makes some sense. Uh, but they looked just much more of a cohesive unit defending. I actually thought, although like city obviously pasted them by XG, they actually played really well uh, defending the point, right? Especially you know, after they tied it up, I thought that they did a pretty good job. If lamp, I think if, if Lampard goes that way, like that just makes Everton a, a, a much better underdog. Cause I, I know he's going to want to you know entertain the home crowd here, but it gets Brighton. Like, why wouldn't you just do do that? They can't break that. Like, they that's just where they struggle the most, right? Like, trying to break down these low blocks. We always talk about how they pro, don't profile well as a favorite. So, it would be Everton or nothing for me here. Um, Anthony, you've been fading the Everton defense. Will you be doing it again? Yeah, I mean, it was an impressive showing, I thought. They, they did an excellent job defending the penalty area because City had no problem getting into the penalty area. They were able to pretty much get there as much as they wanted. But uh, once in the area, I guess, you know, the extra defenders and, and uh, blocking a ton of shots, like it all, you know, paid off in the end in the sense that, you know, you hold them to one goal and like, yeah, city had their chances when they put up the 11 on the big board. I was like, Oh no, like they're going to score in stoppage time. But yeah, it's 16 pass in the penalty area. So there was no midfield resistance at all. And, and so, you know, how repeatable is that is my question uh, for Everton, you know, because if you let teams into your penalty area that much, you're just asking to get punished. And uh, I, I kind of like both teams to score here. I think this is a Deserby thing. And I almost forgot about that we said this and that I had these takes, but we said when Deserby got hired, we were going to look to play some Brighton overs. And hmm. then we thought that, you know, they were just going to be more high event because of him taking more chances in possession, playing out from the back at all times, even more than Potter was. Like all of those things remained true. And we kind of just, I guess, forgot about them. And, and let's look at the results. I mean, <laughs> Since Deserby took over, uh, you know, they had a zillion goals. Yeah, they had they had a couple of low scoring games with like Spurs and Brentford when they missed a bunch of chances. But one a three one loss to City, a four one win against Chelsea, a three two loss uh, or win against Wolves, three one against Arsenal in the cup, two one against Villa loss, three one four two. Now, I don't think it's sustainable. And XG will say that like regression is coming, like they're not going to keep playing those kind of games. Uh, but to see the both teams to score under minus 130 here was really surprising and probably where I'll end up on this one because I do think that uh, the market is just slow to react. I mean, I wanted to bet the under in the Brighton-Arsenal game. That was like my first read, and then I was like, oh, it'll be like close to three. It was two and a half. I was like, what? It's kind of crazy. Uh, just, you know, whether Matoma is a part of the team as a starter or a super sub or what, 
I don't know, but Everton and or, or, sorry, Brighton will get Caicedo back. They may get McAllister, but that seems remains to be seen. He might still be partying, but Caicedo will definitely be back. And uh, I think generally speaking, this is a, a good uh, over slash BTTF spot with Everton's defense still being fraudulent. Yeah, BJ, you're kind of on that same page here and uh, they're not fraudulent. They're getting better. Yeah. Uh, Everton overs are going to be a thing now because I mean, like Anthony mentioned, their defense has been running incredibly hot, but they've also been underperforming offensively, Michael. I mean, they've, Everton matches this season have featured 32 goals off about 45 expected. So at, at some point, either the defense is going to regress, Pickford's not going to, is going to turn back into maybe not the best goalkeeper in the world, or Neil Maupai and, and Dominique Calvert-Lewin will start finishing uh, some of these chances that they get. But yeah, I or actually- Anthony Gordon. Or Anthony Gordon. Well, any, any attacker, maybe. Maybe Damari Gray, who knows? Um, but no, yeah, this is a good overspot here. You know, I have 2.7 goals projected for this one. Like Anthony mentioned, Brighton has just been uber, uber aggressive uh, in possession. And, you know, Everton's going to sit back, but that also sets up very, very well for them to, to counter Brighton, who has not looked good uh, in transition defense. Let's just say that uh, under Deserby. Um, obviously, they've been more aggressive and, and been much better at playing through the middle of the pitch, but uh, Everton's going to clog that up. And once they get the ball, Everton's going to hopefully get the ball moving forward quickly. They have attackers who can finish, hopefully. Um, at some point, they will be able to. So, yeah, I think this is a good over spot here. I'm with Anthony. So, I like over two and a half goals at plus 105. Uh, Leicester City are plus 120. This is another Tuesday kickoff, afternoon kickoff. They're hosting Fulham. Fulham's plus 210. The draw here is plus 260. Fulham with another win. Uh, we were all on Southampton in that one, and it didn't go well. So fraudulent, though. That win was yeah. fraudulent. Yeah. And it, it just, just, it, this is a, it's a, fr- this is a frustrating spot. Cause if you, you can't, asked, you can't if, lay if Southampton you, here. You just can't. Uh, yeah. Lester, if, 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 or if sorry, you, excuse me, I'm a wrong match. I was <laughs> like, if I, uh, if you had, t- if you had given me, if you said, oh, like, you know, you're obviously going to go against Fulham again after that performance, what spot would you not do it? I probably would have said Lester as a home favorite. Like that, oh, yeah, 100%. this is the worst, the worst spot for it. Uh, Cause I want to go against Fulham. But the price and the team is just not even close to good enough. So uh, this is a pass for me, uh, unfortunately, because uh, it's it's tough. Anthony, what do you have? Yeah, friend of the pod. It's funny you, you said that story because friend of the pod, H.U. Capper, was also on uh, Southampton over the weekend. And he DM'd me right after the match and was like, they're at Leicester. Like, uh, we, like what do you think, Fadum? I'm like, that's the, the one spot I will <laughs> never – like, like I said last week, uh, and they lost at Liverpool, and and it was kind of funny. Wout phase with two two own goals. Uh, they weren't good in that match either. Leicester, uh, I didn't upgrade them off of that. I didn't think they were particularly impressive in any shape or way or form against Liverpool. Uh, but yeah, I mean Leicester's slightly better on like XG difference. I don't really think they're that much better. I think that they're like pretty even teams, and so you have Leicester as a small home favorite. And like I don't really like want to bet Lester ever this season, unless the market just craters on them, which I don't see happening. So yeah, this is not going to be a lesser spot for me, but it is the two teams all year that I keep losing money on these unders. I'm going back to the well <laughs> again on the under two and a half. I mean, Fulham did nothing, nothing in that entire game against Southampton. The first goal came off of a set piece, but it wasn't the set piece itself. It was the ball fl- deflected out to Pereira. He hit a shot it was going way wide, hit Ward Prowse's foot, and then went into the top corner. And then the second goal was a nice set piece header. I have to give him credit for that. 
but they created less than one expected goal in that match at home against Southampton. Fulham, the attack continues to just run on. They have one way of scoring goals. Crosses. And, 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 it's, and it just keeps working. And, like, maybe all season long, Fulham will just over – and for a year and a half now, like, I keep saying this every week, I'm, I'm a broken record. But, like, when you only have plan A and plan A keeps working, eventually, like, there, there has to be some time where plan A doesn't work and you, your attack kind of falls apart. And I think that's coming for Fulham at some point here. Uh, like, yes, their third in crosses completed in the penalty area. Leicester is decent, not good at stopping crosses either. So, like, that is a bit of a red flag. But uh, this Leicester team, another team that just can't get the ball into the penalty area consistently to create chances, they are going to be the favorite they're going to have most of the possessions. So I'll, uh, I'll roll with the under two and a half plus money. Uh, it's 3 PM kickoff on, on Tuesdays United glory, glory, man, United, they're back. They've been pretty good. Uh, we'll see for a while now. Uh, they're hosting Bournemouth United's minus three fifty, a big favorite, uh, biggest favorite on, on, on the board this week. Bournemouth's 10 to one. The draw is plus four fifty. Not a spot for me uh, to, to go. So I'm just going to turn this one over to you guys because you guys both have plays. So uh, BJ, we'll, we'll start with you. The, the the spot is the FA Cup this this weekend, Michael, against, yeah, against Mighty right. Mighty Everton. That's um, right. No, uh, yeah, no, I like a both teams to score no here at minus 110. Uh, I think what you're seeing here is that ever since United got just absolutely throttled by Man City on October 2nd, they've conceded 7.6 expected goals in their last nine matches. They've just been playing much, much better defensively. And the, where the, where they've actually improved is defending inside their own penalty area. Like they are in the bottom half of the Premier League and passes allowed and touches allowed in the penalty area, but they're top five in big scoring chance allowed. Now they're top five and in, in XG allowed per set piece, which is basically how Bournemouth creates all of their, their chances. I mean, Bournemouth, we're, we're 17 matches into the season. They've created 8.7 expected goals from open play. Like they've scored 13 off of them, which shows that they're just finishing at a crazy rate. And you're starting to see that regression come down over these last two matches. But again, but then the flip side of that is, okay, Manchester United, they've created over two expected goals in their last two matches against Nottingham Forest and Wolves, which is great. But now, you know, Christian Ronaldo has obviously moved on. Uh, a Rashford-Martial attack is fine, but I mean, Rashford's only been a 0.34 XG per 90 minute striker this season. Like Martial's played four full nineties. So to say United's going to become this great offense, that's going to create over two expected goals or average over one and a half, I think is a little bit far-fetched. Obviously they're playing Bournemouth who is not that great of a defense, like they're 15th and non-penalty expected goals allowed, but I really don't see a scenario where Bournemouth is going to create over 0.6.7 expected goals and then it's just basically coming down to variance so and again united's really good at defending set pieces so uh but i have both teams score no projected at minus 142 i like the value on minus 110 i'm taking both teams score no instead of under three because i'm very very scared of a united three nothing four nothing route um and i'm showing more value on both teams score no so that's where i'm going in this one anthony you're back in that route yeah, it, it's gotten so bad for Bournemouth that when I was doing prep before the show, I tried to pull up their FB ref page and it was down for maintenance. <laughs> so you can't even you can't even look at Bournemouth's stats on FB ref anymore because they are so bad. And, and we have to go back to what we said at the beginning of the season on them, which was coming in like, how are they going to score goals? And then they just scored a shit ton of goals for like half the season. But they're starting to come back down to earth now. I mean, you look at it, they didn't score against Chelsea, didn't create much of anything, didn't score against Palace, didn't create much of anything. The only game, uh, you know, where they've looked 
competent in going forward was the uh, Everton match. They had a couple of fluke goals against two, two Everton off matches of set, off of set pieces. Two Everton matches, Anthony. Right. Uh, but now they go on the road to United. And I think BJ made a good point about the set pieces. Like Bournemouth needs set pieces to score. It's probably their best way of getting at United. And United's been very good defensively on set pieces. And that's been the case uh, throughout the entire season. So I think it's very hard to see Bournemouth scoring here. Instead of taking the minus 120, I'm going to take a plus 110 on United shutout victory uh, to win to nil because I do think United will win here and, and doesn't really have much of a problem uh, at the other end with Bournemouth, who uh, continue to be a fade candidate. I mean, we've been talking about this. Uh, the, the regression is continuing to come for them, and uh, there's not really any end in sight. I think they're they're going down. Uh, let's flip to Wednesday now. A, a relegation six-pointer between Saints, Southampton's plus 105 against Forest, plus 280. The draw is plus 240. I know Southampton are their record is kind of deceiving compared to their underlying metrics. And we just talked about how Fulham were very lucky to get that win, but uh, it's still not a very good team. Uh, Forest start, you know, there's just a scrappy bunch. Get the draw against Chelsea uh, now on the road in a, in a relegation six pointer. I, I don't hate, I, I think it's Forest or nothing at this price plus two eighty. Um Not the one I'm, I'm most excited to bet, I would say, but, uh, come Wednesday, I'll probably be on on the trees here, BJ. Uh, what say you here? Saints yeah, I, and trees. I, I can't lay it with Southampton here. What I'm interested to see is who's going to control more possession in this game because they're at one point against Fulham. I mean, we knew. I mean, I knew we knew this about Nathan Jones coming in. How his Luton Town teams played like they were very, very direct. They conceded a ton of possession. Like Fulham, a team who's also very, very direct, but at one point was holding like 70 percent possession deep into the second half. Uh, so. I'm not really sure what to make of this. I'm definitely not going to lay it with Southampton as a favorite. If I had to go anything, I'd go with Forrest. But again, the home road splits for Forrest are just are really bad. Like they they play well at home. Like they're about around even expected goal differential, and then they're around minus ten on the road. So, um, yeah, this is a a probably the easiest stay away for me on the board. Um, so I'm passing on this one. Uh, staying when staying on Wednesday, Leeds and West Ham is a pick 'em. It's at Ellen Road. Leeds plus one sixty at home. West Ham one sixty on the road. The draw is plus 250. I would say that that Leeds, New, Leeds Newcastle draw maybe is the most surprising draw uh, of the season going into the game. Like, I'd be like, there's just no way that these two teams will play out uh, a draw. There they go. Nil, nil. Um, West Ham, we, we've talked about it a lot. We'll stay with it. Dave Moyes is proud. Like, they're probably playing for his job right now. Uh, I think. What? Uh, it's sad. I I would disagree uh, with the move. Of course, they think that he's got them playing great defensive ball. Still, the price is too short. I think so. I this is you just said that the the Fulham, excuse me, the Southampton Forest match was the easiest pass on the board. Uh, this for me, I think, is the easiest pass on the board. But uh, BJ, you think there's a maybe a smidge of value on on David Moyes in with a back to the wall spot? Who does better in that situation than Moyes? I mean, tactically, this is about as perfect as it gets when you're going up against Leeds because guess what? Leeds is now dead last in the Premier League in non-penalty expected goals allowed. They're allowing 1.62 per 90. They've conceded over six expected goals in their last two matches. I know it was against City. I know it was against Newcastle, but that's still really bad. Their last six matches, they've conceded 12 big scoring chances. West Ham last year, I mean, they just flat out destroyed Leeds. 4.7 expected goals and five big scoring chances over the two meetings, and it's mainly because... West Ham is a top five team at playing through pressure. They're going to be able to sit back and counter leads to death. Now, West Ham, 
We talked about a lot. They're one of the biggest positive regression candidates in the Premier League right now. They're seventh. They're sitting in 17th, minus nine actual goal differential, but a plus 1.6 expected goal differential. Even their last, they've lost their last five matches by a combined score of 10 to two. Expected goals has been 7.7 to 5.1. So they're way, way overdue for some positive regression to go their way. And you already mentioned it, Michael. They're still a top five defensive team by expected goals. So this is a really, really good spot for them. They're healthy. Like they, they, they're going, they're going to have their full attack, their full defense available. And Leeds is still without uh, Sinistera and Bamford. So this is a great spot here for West Ham. So, I mean, I like them drawing a bet at minus 105. I mean, it's, uh, you know, I'm not showing a ton, a ton of value on it, but ta- from the tackle perspective, I mean, Jesse Marsh's defense sucks just flat out. They, they're terrible. So I love this spot for West Ham. All right, Especially Anthony. <laughs> Speaking haters, of haters. I, I'm, just, I'm just speaking the truth. No, I, I think I agree, actually, though. Uh, not necessarily on the side, because I, I project this as a coin flip. But on the matchup, I don't love it for Leeds. Because West Ham is very comfortable being a passive defense, sitting deep waiting for their moment to hit and transition. They're probably going to get one or two big chances and it comes down to whether or not they finish them. And they are due for positive regression, but the market isn't really downgrading them that much. Like I thought we'd get like a solid home, uh, road dog price here. And then maybe I'd hop in on West Ham, but we're not really getting it. And West Ham, like they're not capable of consistently getting the ball into the penalty. I mean, they're, they're 15th and touches in the area and 18th and passes uh, against a Leeds team that, the problem with leads, of course, they're good at keeping you out of the area, but when you get it, it's almost always because they've broken down and you were able to get like a great shot out of it. And so they take the risk that you won't get, uh, you know, more than one or two great shots and you won't score them. And so the reality is that they've, you know, conceded the 15th most big scoring chances. Like their individual defending is poor. I don't think the system is bad. I think when you look at their numbers and you see how they play, like they let the system down but they're lacking quality, but you could also criticize the manager for saying, why are you playing you could. a system that puts so much stress on an under talented, undercooked defensive talent. That being said, leads continue to be fine in the prem and they will be fine going forward. Uh, but yeah, this is a, this is a stay away from me as well. I, I just think the matchup is not great for, for leads. I, I don't really take a ton into what happened last year. The one of the meetings leads was so injured. It didn't even matter. Like it was really bad, but the Academy was playing the Academy, the Academy played. Yeah. And it mm-hmm. was, it was rough, but uh, West Ham, just the attacking pieces have regressed. And I think that's the biggest thing and the biggest difference here on top of, uh, of course, just running bad. I'm, uh, I'm switching my pick. I'm going West Ham over one and a half goals at plus 135. No you're more to do that. More, am, am I not allowed to do that? No, of course you're allowed to do it. Okay, I'm doing that. I'm yeah, switching. I'm drawing no bet to West Ham over one and a half at, at plus 135. Uh, let's I talk like about... More, actually, get the plus money. <laughs> Leeds will score three. Oh, of course. Of, yeah. Because yeah. of Marsh masterclassing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to save um, a specific match for the end of the Premier League session. So let's talk about Villa and Wolves. Unai Emery versus Julian Lopetegui. Sevilla via Real. Sevilla via Real. Uh, uh, Villa, via. S and Villa is uh, <laughs> minus 106. Wolverhampton. Three to one on the road. The draw is uh, plus two sixty. BJ, you're the only one with anything here, uh, and it's another one that it's just a it's maybe the the bet that you like to just cozy up with it late at night and sleep yep. with like a teddy yep. bear. Uh, that's that's this bet. Wolves, both teams to score now. 
Yep. Minus one Oh five. Uh, I don't really care that Wolves is due for offensive regret, positive regression. Like, yeah, they've got 10 goals off a of 16.9 expected, but they're averaging 0.87 non-penalty expected goals per 90. They've created just three big scoring chances in their last 11 matches. And under Lopetegui, it's been the exact same story that was under Bruno Lodge. Like Wolves against United didn't take a shot inside 13 yards until stoppage time. Like they just consistently are going to take so many shots from outside the box. And you're basically just betting on, will one of those shots actually go in and Villa, they are a top eight defensive team by expected goals. They're only going to improve under Unai Emery. They just held Tottenham on Sunday to 0.66 expected goals off of six shots. They're a top six team at defending crosses. So I don't really see a path to how Wolves is actually going to score here or even create over one expected goal. And the flip side of that is, is, I mean, Villa's been running really hot offensively under Emery. Like they've scored seven goals off of three and a half expected and Wolves still is a top eight defensive team. So I think the price here is far, far too cheap on both teams to score. No. So um, I'm looking forward to, you know, watching Villa score in like the 15th minute and then have Wolves score in like the 89th and just ruin me. But I do think there's some value on it. So minus 105, both teams to score. No for me. All right. Uh, now on to another headliner. Palace. Home underdog, plus 225. Spurs, plus 120 on the road. The draw is plus 240. Anthony. I think well, I think Tottenham might be bad, Michael. I just, I, I don't. I, I think I, they I might be. I don't know. I'm I'm starting to come around to, hey, they might not be that good. You know, they, they definitely didn't look it. And they're just, I think we talked about it a little bit in the last episode. There's much... They're like an eye test team where you can just watch a game and you're like, this team is just, they're not at the races. It feels like they've been at the races 50% of the season. Uh, and we're now 16 games in. I still think like as an underdog against better teams, like they, they'll be worth it when, when you get good prices. Uh, but man, they got, they got 10 more points to get to 40, Anthony. They better get there. Yeah, I might even be out on them as an underdog nowadays, the way they play under pressure and the way they retain the ball and and, and connect the, the, the counterattacking situations and the fact that the Reese is, uh, regret, is not regressing. He might be just be washed, except when he plays for France, of course. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this is hard because the market has downgraded Tottenham significantly after the loss to, v, to Villa. And, and even before that, uh, Spurs were minus 105 here, minus 110-ish. Uh, then they had the poor showing on Boxing Day, and it moved to plus 110. Then they had the poor showing against Villa, and it moved to plus 120. Uh, and now we just keep going lower and lower. And now we're betting into a market that is clearly downgrading Spurs and has them as like the seventh best team in the league. And to make matters worse, Palace hasn't really been all that impressive this season either, and I've downgraded them as well. Uh, so I'm actually going to take a total here instead of a side because I do like the matchup of this Palace defense against this Spurs attack. The Spurs attack, nobody can pass. The, the, bet, the only person who can pass for Tottenham is Harry Kane. And Harry Kane, to quote Giselle from the Super Bowl loss, you know, talking about Tom Brady, he cannot play the pass and receive the pass in the penalty area at the same time. And it's a big problem because you look at the, the players that they're playing and they're not very good. At passing to him and when you take out like it makes me think back to last season the fullbacks were in really good form teams hadn't really adjusted to Conte ball Sone was in insane finishing form and he was in just better progress like he was just doing more to progress the ball and Kane like was the benefactor of that and whatnot so Spurs are really really good 
but Sone regresses, the fullbacks aren't as dominant, and there's nobody where they get the ball and you're like, that's the person who's going to beat the man, uh, whether it's like an Odegaard for Arsenal who's going to play the pass or Fernandez or Rashford running at somebody. Like, there's just not that in Tottenham right now. And it makes it very hard to break down a good low defensive block, a team who's willing to sit off and, and, and seed pressure and seed the ball to you. And you even go to the, the match against Brentford, the only chances came off just hoofing the ball forward and winning aerial duels. So, yeah, I like the under two and a half. I looked at Spurs team total under one and a half. I actually almost bet that today. I was mad I didn't, but uh, I think Spurs attack has a problem here. They could win this one nil. It wouldn't surprise me. The defense is not nearly as bad as, as uh, the, the recent record has suggested teams have run really well against Tottenham, uh, especially early in games. But yeah, I just, I, I find it hard to believe Tottenham gets more than one here. So I'm going to go under two and a half. I like palace. I think this is, yeah, I don't home. blame you. I don't this blame anybody who bets. Palace. Good I really price don't. At Crystal palace. It's a good price to go. Against we don't know where the bottom the is. Yeah, we don't know where the I bottom don't is. There. I and don't think we're there. It, we also are dealing with a manager. Like there are certain managers where when things start to spiral, they're just not really stabilizers. Let's say like, I wouldn't say that, that Ant- Antonio Conte is the type of manager I'd want to bet on in this spot. I don't know. Uh, it, I mean, he's not because he's, last year we had the same conversation. Remember like they lost a couple of games in January and everybody was like, Oh no, like he's already ready to leave. And then they won like eight in a row and got top. Four yeah. But that was more about, I think that was more about like him, like, because there, there were rumors that he wanted to leave right away. I'm, this is like more of like a, a team level thing. Like, I just don't, I don't think he's, He's just not the type of manager that like I I would trust in 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 this kind of situation when he's been there for a while already too, right? Like that the, the we know he puts the team through the paces. They just come back from the World Cup. A lot of them, uh, you know, you think about Perisic and and Kane, uh, like those guys had and Son, like they just left it all out there. So. It's just like I just don't know how you get up on a on a individual level to then give your all uh, for this guy who who took away condiments from you in the mm-hmm. you know in the, in the training camp stuff like that. So I I just I it's it just feels like like you I think you put it right. You don't know where the bottom is, and with him at the helm, like I question I I question just how far they can go uh, before things start to to turn around. It's gotten so bad that Arsenal was like minus 100 in the Derby uh, at Arsenal and everybody. And I, I think BJ said Arsenal was inflated and, and uh, I don't the know that they were. And, and uh, now Arsenal is going to be even money on the road at White Hart Lane. <laughs> yeah. And I'm probably going to have to bet on. So that's, that's where we're at now. I'm going to be on Palace. Uh, BJ, uh, what are your yeah. thoughts here? No, uh, I'm going to be on, I'm going to be on Palace too. You know, our lovely uh, sponsors bet three, six, five. It keeps, um, coming up on my Twitter feed that uh, Mauricio Pochettino is two to one to manage a Premier League club in 2023. Um, so that should tell you where things are at right now. Um, but uh, yeah. The Poch era was the best era. I mean, was, was, so we're at what? 10, 10 straight matches that Tottenham has conceded first. Am I, am I, am I correct, correct on that one? It yes. happened again today. I think what you're seeing is that just Tottenham was finishing at a crazy rate uh, throughout the beginning of the season. And then it's kind of just fallen off. Like they're, around 33 goals off around 26 and a half expected. So um, that finishing has gone off. And if you look through the injuries, like it's not going to get any better offensively with the guys Tottenham has out, like where Charleston's out, 
Kulusevsky's out. Benson Kerr is out. It's, it's, uh, it's a dicey situation against Palace, who, yeah, they haven't been that great this season. But again, they still have been playing pretty well uh, against the against the big six at home. So this is just a classic Palace at home, who played a lot better against Bournemouth. Um, and what, what worries me, though, and you know what I spoke about in the last podcast, is that you know, Palace, we see them, you know, they're expected goals numbers defensively. They they're sitting around 15th, 14th best in the premier league. And a lot of that is just because they've conceded over two expected goals to really good attacks. Well, I don't know if we put Tottenham in that category right now. Uh, that's the big question. So we'll see what happens, but yeah, I, I, I like palace plus two twenty-five. I'm finally coming around. I don't think, you know, I'm, you know, I I've been on this, you know, the market hates Tottenham. Oh my gosh. Like we have to buy low. I'm, I'm not buying low anymore. I'm just going to fade them and see if it works out. I would argue we haven't even regressed. I mean, we've been scoring goals off of nothing. The set pieces, yeah, that's true. Crazy stuff. I mean, the Bournemouth win comes to mind. The, I mean, the the Brentford draw, uh, the Leeds game was preposterous. Everton. But I think today was kind of the yeah. That was the only game we played well. <laughs> I think t- today was. Uh, <laughs> we were at the races that day. That's for sure. That game and uh, I guess yeah, we played well against Liverpool. No, we lost. So yeah, that, that's been United. A- is United a favorite for top four now? Yes. Yeah, okay. as they should be. Yeah, no, they should be. All right, real quick, Syria uh, is in play also during the midweek. I will go to you first, BJ. Jose Mourinho, minus one, plus 105 at home against Bologna. Ro- Roma is going to be a big-time positive regression candidate here over the second half of the season, plus 16.2 expected goal differential. That's the exact same as Napoli, who's in first place, but Roma finds himself in seventh. They've been just running incredibly cold offensively. They're about 12 expected goals more than their actual goal total. Bologna, just a below-average team. They got pasted right before the break against Inter, allowed over two expected goals against them, allowed over two and a half against Napoli, allowed close to two against Bologna, allowed close to two against Juventus. So when they have to play good competition, they seem to falter. So I think you're going to find this Roma team is going to be very, very undervalued in the market. It is a look-ahead spot. They do have a date with AC Milan on the road four days from that match. But again, I think this is a good spot against a very below-average Bologna team. So Roma minus one plus 105 for me. Uh, Anthony, what do you have in Italy? Yeah, I'll go Torino under two and a half. I love betting Torino unders when they are playing as a favorite. Uh, because they are so good at preventing big scoring chances. The, the overall quality of the defense has declined this year. They lost Bremer, but it's a classic example of manager and system over over talent and how it can make up for a loss in talent to a certain extent. Uh, and Torino continues to be a solid uh, Serie A defense, uh, and they are still a team that, given their attacking losses, which is what Juric complained about at the beginning of the season to the board, you know, we lost attackers, we didn't replace them. Uh, they go up against a Verona team who who got raided because of financial issues in the summer, uh, and their attack has been really really poor this season. Uh, and you know, last season they finished really well because they had some players who were very good at that. This year they just don't have the talent up front. And so what you're seeing is an attack that has scored 12 goals. And you could say yes to positive regression thing, and that is true. But the market isn't really like lowering their totals. I mean, I'd expect two and a quarter here, and it's two and a half. So I like the under. Uh, and their defense has has not been as bad as their numbers either. So under for me. All right, uh, let's get to our three-leg uh, money line underdog parlay. Anthony, let's go right back to you. You're, you're picking one out of uh, the championship. Yeah, I feel like we're usually chomping at the bit to bet underdogs, in the in, in, not necessarily just in the Prem, but across the leagues. And I went through all 20 games in the Prem and Serie A, and there was not one team that I was like, 
we got to bet this underdog. So I was like, let me look a little deeper. And I found one. Uh, Swansea is hosting Burnley on Monday in oh. the championship. And look, Burnley has been awesome. I love, I love fading. Burnley. I love Burnley and the, 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 the revolution there into playing watchable and, and somewhat fun football under uh, manager Vincent company has been incredible. Like they've really, you know, taken a step forward, but, and they're sitting in first 15 wins, eight, eight, eight draws, two losses, but it's a difficult away day to Swansea on Monday. And Burnley has run so hot. I mean, they're running mm-hmm. 50% above their expected goals and you get wonkier stuff in the championship. The quality is lower and, and the defending and the attacking finishing quality is lower, but you won't see that sustained anywhere, anytime. And Swansea is the opposite of that. I mean, they're sitting in the mid table with pretty impressive underlying numbers. They've just been extremely cold defensively. So, you know, you have a Swansea team that I think is better than their numbers. Uh, Russell Martin and and the boys have, have, should be making a strong case for promotion. They're not quite, uh, but yeah, I like them as a home underdog plus 200. Uh, I'm going Newcastle. They're plus 333 on the road at Arsenal on Tuesday, 2.45 p.m. Newcastle, it's between Newcastle and United, I think, for right now the third best team in the league. Like Liverpool's been too inconsistent. Spurs are in the relegation fight, basically, and Chelsea are, you know, mid comfortably a mid-table team. I just think that this number is a little disrespectful uh, to a Newcastle team that is dangerous, do you look back over, over the course of the season? The the difference between these two teams isn't when you look at the expected goal differential. It's 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 not crazy wide at all. And since October first, it's it's even tighter. So this Newcastle team can just they can play at this level. They've lost one match all season. I know they've drawn seven, but they've lost one match all season. BJ, I think that they'll give uh, Arsenal a little bit of. Hmm. We'll see a scrap on. Uh, Tuesday afternoon at the Emirates. So I'll be backing the Magpies at plus 333. Who is your pooch? Crystal Palace plus 225 at home against Tottenham. We just spoke about it, but I am starting to come around to think that Tottenham is completely broken and that there are some real, real flaws with them, especially going forward. And it's not going to get any easier without Richarlison, without Kulusevsky, without Bentonkirk. Going up against Crystal Palace team that consistently has played well Against the big six at home, I like the price on Crystal Palace. Give me them plus 225. Uh, that parlay, Palace, Newcastle, and Swansea, uh, 41 to 1. Not our biggest, but... Feel good about this one. It is a good one, I think, for a nice midweek pick-me-up. Yep. Uh, all right, let's talk about our favorite bets in the Premier League for this midweek action. I'll go first. BJ, you just talked about him, so I'll, I'll make it quick. I, I think this is a great spot to back Crystal Palace. They are coming off a win. They're plus 225 at home against a Spurs team that they are just trending in the wrong direction. This is much more a bet against Spurs than a bet on Palace, but we know that this Palace team tends to punch up really well at home against big six teams. The defense is well-organized. They're tough to break down, in, uh, especially at Selhurst Park. So I, I think that the Spurs kind of spiral continues uh, throughout the midweek, and, and things get a little interesting for Antonio Conte at White Hart Lane or the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. BJ, what's your favorite bet? Arsenal, minus 125 against Newcastle at home. Arsenal is a perfect 7-0-0 at home, plus 11.6 expected goal differential, only allowed 5.9 
expected goals in those seven matches. Newcastle's big home road split team. They're a little over plus 11 expected goal to front at home. They're only around plus two on the road. What Arsenal did such a good job of against Brighton was their counterpressing. They forced six high turnovers. The first goal came off of a high turnover. If Newcastle does have one weakness, it's that they don't play through pressure well. They're 12th in offensive passes per defensive action. And what Arsenal has done such a good job tactically is Grant Shock has been getting forward a lot more, which has allowed Martin Odegaard to roam as the number 10 role. And they've created a lot of overloads on, on the wide flank with Saka and Martinelli. It's why you've seen them get so much space down the wings. They should be able to do that with a lot of success against Newcastle. Kieran Trippier, not a great defender as a right back. Matt Target is going to miss this match due to injury. So Newcastle is going to be very weak on the left side of the pitch as well against, against Saka. So I love this spot here for Arsenal. I've been projected at minus 143. So give me the minus 125 on the money line. Uh, Anthony, what's your favorite bet? All is right in the world. BJ is betting on Arsenal. Mm-hmm. I'm betting against Spurs, but I'm betting mm-hmm. against the attacks in both of these matches. Crystal Palace and Spurs under two and a half minus 110. Uh, I think that, Spurs attack. It hasn't fully regressed yet, but I think you're starting to see why it's starting to break. And it's so not being quite as good in ball progression. They don't have enough passing quality. They're not getting into the penalty area enough. And they just lack that sharpness and creativity from the wings that they had last season as teams have tactically adjusted to what Conte wanted to do and, and really took the league by storm last year. Meanwhile, I think Spurs defense is not as bad. I think the Spurs defense is a unit that uh, will improve at least in the results because the underlying performances haven't been that bad. They've just conceded a lot of uh, kind of goals from nothing and weird flukes, and, and they've, def- they've conceded way above their expected goals, which even if you think Lloris is aging and isn't as good of a shot stopper, he won't be as bad as he's been in the last few weeks, as evidenced by the first goal today against Villa, which was almost entirely on him. Uh, but yes, I think that uh, Palace will struggle to create chances in this match. I do think it's kind of a bit of a stalemate, and Palace will be able to, similar to Villa, kind of just sit there and dare Tottenham to beat them and be organized defensively. And I don't know that Tottenham can do it right now. So give me under two and a half. Uh, all right. That does it for this midweek episode of Wonder Goal. For PJ Cunningham for Anthony Bundo. Good luck with all your soccer bets this week. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.